0: Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Today's episode is sponsored by my Lit Daily Online Yoga classes. This is an exclusive pass into my personal practice and program that I created from experience as a physical therapist and 20 years of developing my lit yoga methodology. There is a different class with me every day, including special monthly live streams, so you can feel your most lit up anytime and anywhere. Get a three-day free trial today by going to movementbylara.com and clicking Daily Classes. Let's get moving. Good movement. And welcome to Redefining Yoga, a movement by Laura podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga. From my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns. So together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today is Monday motivation, Monday movement. And the podcast is about hip pain, I get so many questions from a variety of people, whether they're yoga people or athletes that I work with, people at work that work out at the gym, um, who complain about anterior hip pains. So the anterior hip pain is the pain in the front of your hip, and I'm going to try and cover points that would be beneficial to you without getting too anatomically geeky. But in particular, I'll probably most mostly talk about um f a i which is femoral acetabular impingement so the femur is the thigh bone that comes up and meets the acetabulum in in the in the form of a socket right so the femoral head is the ball and then the acetabulum is the socket and that forms the hip joint largest ball and socket joint super important and so femoral acetabular means there's some kind of impingement compression pinching where that interaction takes place. And this can be caused, this can be caused uh, based on anatomical features, not great form when you're squatting, other areas in the body being limited. So there being this uh, compensation in the hips for lack of range of motion in other areas. So, w- what's really important when I work with people is to first identify. If there are any kind of mobility limitations in the ankles, in the thoracic spine, even up in the shoulders because of the shoulders relationship to the thoracic spines, because those, if there's any limited, if there's any limited mobility in those areas, it can put more pressure on the hip. So what we are looking at is how can we take pressure, stress, impingement off of and um, out of the hip completely. So that would be the first thing I would look at is somebody's posture and and how they move, how they're going into a squat or leaning over. Because the, a lot of times it's the deep squat position and in yoga, when people get in malasana, this is one of many reasons I don't love the deep malasana that people will do. Um, and I also really, my brother and I talked about this on a podcast, don't like when people internally rotate like awkward squat, because that is putting that hip into an impingement um, situation. So we have to look at the way somebody's moving in squatting in daily life, and then look for poss- possible possible um, areas where there's mobility limitations, specifically, again, the ankle, the thoracic spine, and the shoulder. And you can see some of that just in standing posture, but then you can see it in other things like lifting arms up overhead. What happens? Is the shoulder limited? Do the ribs pop forward? That will all potentially lead to some uh, tension around the hip and require more movement at the hip in in lieu of the the ankle or the thoracic spine moving. The next thing I would look at is how somebody is, you know, hinging or or squatting. So is somebody going a lot into the hip? via um, tipping in the pelvis. So I've seen a lot of athletes do this. I've worked with so many athletes and before I even see them do the squat, when they've complained about this pinching um, front of the hip pain, I already somewhat know what I'm going to see. You know, I don't ever try and make assumptions, but I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is how they're going to squat. And what it is, is they have the bar um, is on the shoulders and the feet are parallel or slightly turned out. And then they go way down into a squat. So the chest is flaring forward and the um, pelvis is tipping. And so they're kind of getting a low back arch. And that really, really sets up that impingement position for the femur because you're, you're just squishing all the tissues in there. So that is some, uh, like I look at this way somebody is squatting. I also ask them what they're doing because most likely, I mean, I just had this last week with someone I was working with by Skype. And this woman was is an is an athlete, and she was complaining about hip stuff. And she was saying, "Oh, and I, you know, am doing all of these stretches. You know, she's doing these uh, what would be in yoga world Anjaneyasana, what we also know as low lunge. Say I have my left foot forward, and my right knee on the floor, and she's sinking her pelvis down to open to try and stretch out this what seems like you know pain from being tight." And in fact, it's irritating that femoral acetabular impingement even more. So one of many reasons why I do not suggest doing that kind of lunge is that even if you don't have impingement, it's it's not a great position for the hip joint because it's really pressing the femur in, into a position that can cause a lot of that impingement in the acetabulum, the tissues around it, because it's it's pushing into the labrum. So what is the labrum? The labrum is a... It's a fibrocartilage capsule. It's like a socket. Some people have described it as the, the stopper in the in the drain. So it, the labrum covers this the ring of cartilage around the rim of the hip socket. And what that does is it further increases stability at the joint. So the joint, the hip joint, even though it, it has a lot of inherent mobility, it's also incredibly stable because we're weight-bearing on our hip legs. We're walking around we need we need that joint to be stable so the labrum gives an, another layer of stability to it the the labrum in this position around the hip socket creates a vacuum seal like i was saying how that the drain does and that helps to keep fluid inside of the joint and that fluid helps cushion the hip joint when you're when you're moving you're you know weight bearing you're walking you're running you're squatting you're doing any kind of um, hip movement. So it's protecting the forces that are placed on the hip. It's protecting the cartilage that is there to help the movement of the hip and cushion the load. And so the labrum is really important. And when you lean into your um, anterior hip the way I was describing in a low lunge or any kind of lunge, on um, that crescent lunge where you have a staggered foot one front in front and one foot in front and one in back and you're leaning into that to try and stretch it you're unfortunately uh, p- pushing compressing the the front portion into the labrum the front portion of the hip and into the labrum and that does not feel great and unfortunately labral tears are not that uncommon in the yoga world actually and you don't want to tear your labrum because there's there's I, I'm not going to go down that path but if you are starting to feel this fai this impingement stop thinking that you need to stretch it you do not so what you need to do is first again going back to the beginning investigate your posture investigate your movement and and see if there's any limited range of motion in the thoracic spine in the shoulders and in the ankles so let's go down to the ankles for a minute. Say I'm squatting, but my ankle, I don't have adequate dorsiflexion. And dorsiflexion requires that when I'm, um, squatting and I'm sitting back into my hips, that my heel stays on the floor, that calcaneus stays on the floor, and that the, the talus, this large bone in the top of the foot is able to glide. And if it's not, if it, if there's limited range of motion because of joint, um, just immobility, or soft tissue uh, inflexibility, then you'll try and get that range of motion up the chain, in the knees and maybe in the hips. And in the hips, it's usually in the form, if it's becoming a, a problem, it's again in that form where you overly arch your low back and really tip the pelvis. So the other place that can lead to, in addition to the low lunges where you're trying to stretch it, is when people go into really deep squats. So, malasana in the yoga world is a really deep squat, and I'm telling you, this is not a good position because if you can get into it easily, you're hyper flexible, and you shouldn't be in it um, because it's. You know, some would say, "Oh, well, you can go to in range as long as you can control it." I, I'd, most people get sink too deep, and then they kind of have to. It takes a lot to get them out of it. So you're going beyond what is a healthy range of motion, and then. For so many other people, they can't get into it. So they there's some kind of compensatory strategy. And that's often the knees will drop in a little bit. And that's that internally rotated um, thigh femur that will set you up for also feeling that impingement. So in addition to having a really too externally rotated hip and sinking way down into it, I would never recommend doing internally rotated hip and sit, um, sitting back into it either. Because you've put your femur in a position where it will uh, more likely compress the labrum. So that's why when people say, oh, try squats in all kinds of ways uh, because you want to prepare it for load, there are just structures in there that you do not want to prepare for load because it's not like they get stronger as you load them. They get more strained as you load them. So what you really want to do is find the position that's unique to you. So unlike the shoulder, which there can be some variability for sure in range of motion because of the anatomy. There's more variability in the hip, in the range of motion. Sometimes the the femur will be naturally turned in more and that will set somebody, set somebody up. If they tried to go into a lot of external rotation, they're going to fight their natural position of their femur. Some people are going to have where... Their femoral neck is shorter, so they're not going to be able to squat as deeply and they might need to turn the toes out naturally anyway, even when it's supposed to be a parallel squat. So the best thing to do is analyze if, you're, if you've are if you already had some kind of femoral acetabular impingement, you've got to back off of the range of motion. It's not even about at that point, try and do a better squat. You have to back off of it because you've irritated it and the way you'll know is if you have this anterior hip pain, you might feel it in the squat. That's one time you can feel it. And often most people complain about it when they've been sitting. So the sitting is a big culprit for the, um, the anterior hip pain being even more of a kind of red fire, you know, five alarm pain. So you have to not sit as much, but those are the, those are the symptoms. You usually will feel them in the squat itself or after you've been sitting for a while. And it just feels like, Oh, so that first kind of pain slash tightness somehow registers for a lot of people as, Oh, I need to stretch it. But know that when you're stretching it in the ways that you probably are, you're, you're just, um, you know, putting fuel on the fire. So don't do that. What you need to do is back off of that flexed position. So, if you're, stand, if you're sitting, get a higher seat. Don't um, sit in such a 90- degree angle. Get one of the higher stools or even try and stand some. Um, the other thing is to avoid going as deeply into the squat. You definitely don't want to go into the range where you're feeling it. In, in a yoga practice, for instance, you're going to have to be very mindful of using blocks and whatnot and not going into any range where you feel that um, being pulled like it's feeling like it's stretch or getting that heat feeling of impingement. And so it, there's a cautionary tale here. If you have it already, you might want to back off of your practice, of your movement practice that has any kind of deep hip flexion. You ultimately will get there, but you've got to back off of it and figure out what is causing the pain. And, and I always say that to people, you, when you have pain slash discomfort, aggravation, it's a signal. It's a signal that what you're doing is not working. And so uh, you're, you're not going to push through it. You're going to figure out the functionality of the movement pattern that might be contributing to it. So again, here are the things you want to look at. Range of motion in your ankle, range of motion in your thoracic spine and shoulder. You want to look at your standing posture. Of course, how, you, how strong you are in your core. When you squat, you're not tipping in the pelvis, anterior tilting in the pelvis, and then going deep into that because that will be pinchy. You're not going to roll your thighs in inter- internally rotate them as you squat. And you're not going to go into excessive external rotation either, especially as you go deep, deep, deep into the squat, because that will um, set you up for pinching the labrum and other structures in there. And if you are already experiencing anterior hip pain, know that your biggest job is to stabilize more and back and don't go into these deep ranges of motion until that signal is, is faded until you don't feel that pain. Um, if you're, if you have to sit a lot, then you need to either uh, make sure you take time where you're getting up as much as possible throughout the day or get a higher seat so that you're not in that deeper hip flexion range of motion or position. So I hope this helps you because I know this is everywhere. This is with the athletes. This is with the yogis who are also athletes of a kind. And this is with, um, everyday people who aren't really even doing a lot of exercise per se, or they're doing it at the end of the day, but most of their day is spent sitting. It can happen to anyone because again, you've got to pay attention to your posture and then you pay attention to your form and then pay attention to where what needs to be stable and what needs to be mobile. I hope this helps you. If you have any questions about it, please feel free to write me at Lara at movementbylara.com. And as always pulling for you and hugs.